<laughs> Hello and welcome to Bad Reads. I am Matt, joined by my my faithful co-host Nick. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, it's Nick, also known as Comrade, but I'm Nick in this one. Yeah, I was going to say. This is a serious podcast. Yeah, the the real Doug's own heads, who will probably be the (laughs) only people listening to this first episode, will know him as Comrade. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, just to show that we're... Man of letters. Yeah, yeah, man of letters, a poet and a scholar. Um, (laughs) So yeah, this is, you know, Doug's own listeners who hate me. There's a couple of you out there. I know it. I have good news. This episode, this this series will be different. Uh, we're going to try a little more focused approach, something dare I say more serious. Um, and yeah, we're gonna, as the name might imply, we're just gonna be reading bad books. And we, the first book that we tried to read was bad enough that we didn't read it by the date that we were originally going to. <laughs> and so yeah, we, we had decided- we had three weeks to read a two hundred page book. And we both put it off until the day before recording. So, instead, we read the yep. first four chapters, and we will be providing you with a little teaser mm-hmm. after we we sort of discuss our, our vision for the show, the program, what we hope to accomplish over the the many many years that we will surely be doing this. Yep. Um. So yeah, I I was just gonna say I, I might just start out with what I got going. I think. I just want to say real fast, the foreword of the book is really long. It's like almost eight pages. Yeah, the foreword of the book is longer than one of the chapters in the book, Um, which rocks. It's it's dense. Yeah. Are you referring to the foreword or the prologue? Because there are... Sorry, the uh, the prologue, not the author's note. Yeah, the author's note is also good. But yeah, before we we hop into that, I I just want to, you know, outline what the people can expect from us uh, on this one. And I think... Yeah, like I said, the, this will be, we're going to be uploading this monthly is the plan. Mm-hmm. We'll see how well we stick to that schedule, but it should be about monthly. We're just going to read a book. We will discuss it. Um, the bad in question seems to be tending in this series, at least towards insane and evil, but there will also <laughs> be some things that are just not well written, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's also, that's also the plan. Like, not quite like Ben Shapiro level of bad writing, because yeah. that's already been done. Uh, but, you know, along the lines. Yeah. Just, something kind of erotic, too, to like palate cleanse after. Yeah, after the. What I assume is not an erotic series of novels. I, I cannot say that the, the Mormon series, The Great and Terrible, which is the first. Mm-hmm. It's a five part series that we'll be cracking into to get started. This is our, mm-hmm. this is our pilot series. You know, we're going to be. Yep. Figuring things out as we go along. We'll be seeing how... That's my cats. Don't know if anybody heard that. Um, they might make appearances on every single episode, probably. Um, yeah, that's pretty likely. Mine, I mean, yeah. mine too. <laughs> so yeah, well, that's fine. You know, who doesn't love a good cat? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so we'll be going through, just sort of unpacking things as we come along. But this first episode, as a totally planned thing and not just a result of our own ineptitude and laziness, is going to be a bit more of a teaser. Like I said, we read the first four chapters of this book. Uh, If you like what you hear in this discussion, uh, feel free to give us a follow, listen, and listen on. Um, So yeah, this, 
like I said, this is Chris Stewart's The Great and Terrible. And before we crack into it, I just want to talk a little bit about the man behind this this work of art. Because uh, there's a couple interesting things that I've found about him. Um, so Chris Stewart is currently a representative for Utah's 2nd Congressional District. Um, this might shock the listeners at home. He is a Republican. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this guy who was elected in Utah. Um, and he started out in, in mid-2016. You know, he was a big anti-Trump guy. And he is now one of known as Trump's one of Trump's fiercest defenders in the state of Utah. If that tells you, damn, he like he uh, he turned on Mitt. Yeah, I was gonna say if that That's helps, pretty paint rough, the dude. Yeah, so, you know <laughs> he he's betrayed, uh, you know, beloved figure Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. God, I'm thinking again about that picture of him like posing with Kirsten Cinema dressed <laughs> as Ted Lasso characters. Oh my god, God, I. Oh. This might come up, you know, in these episodes, but man, there's one thing I hate more than an insane Mormon writer. It's an insane Mormon politician. And Chris Stewart's checking both of those boxes. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely interesting. He's like the level of like right wing politician where I'm like, I can't even find something to really like about you. Except until, you know, the books Then I'm like, OK, yeah, you've, I have a glimpse into your mind. This yeah. Is a- <laughs> oh hang on i didn't do a super close look at his wikipedia he supports daca that's interesting hmm. um but yeah under the lgbt rights section all it says is stewart is the lead sponsor for the fairness for all act a republican alternative to the equality act oh uh, yeah which i'm sure that's probably good it sounds you know it sounds right based on the fairness yeah. thing um, he's he was pro bundy brothers during the bundy standoff okay yeah said that the bureau of land management could have avoided the standoff by allowing local sheriffs to intervene um Uh, that's that's very funny because like (laughs) i dated someone that was working in that area she worked for the blm okay Um, and yeah the sheriffs were afraid of the bundies there he would have shot the sheriff like yeah but maybe not, not that the deputy. Work that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. There you go. Uh, I got Bob Marley on the brain lately. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Um, but yeah, and then just one or two other things, just like because I want to paint a picture of the framework that this guy's operating in. Because as we go through these first four chapters, um, I'll probably end up explaining more in depth just you know the Mormon lore that is coming mm-hmm. into play. But before we look at the bigger picture, I want to look at this guy in particular, right? And so on his, uh, I I looked through his, his, you know, his actual like congressman page and it's very boring. It's basically just him going like, I support a larger defense budget than we have. What a twist. Uh, Are we all fucking AOC? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, This guy, he's like the AOC of the right. Has anyone said that before? Um, (laughs) but he um i just the only thing i want to say he he served for 14 years as a pilot he was in the air force um he apparently like set a speed record at one point flying around the world but the only other thing that i want to mention is something from his amazon about the author page because i have not been able to figure out what it means which is to say it says quote he is a member of the renaissance organization 
a private group of leaders from across the globe who meet to explore, quote, the Renaissance spirit. Oh, which, man. That's like, is that like if you're too poor to get into Bohemian Grove? Like, I don't yeah, know that what that is. Very, that's like very sinister. Yeah, that's like, like that. Evil. I mean, that kind of <laughs> connects to like, you know, the, the Doug Zone listeners will get it, but it connects to what we were talking about a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say. Renaissance so, shit, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. So yeah, that was an interesting thing. I like went on their website and it was not helpful at all. Like there were pictures of Christopher yeah. Columbus who not known as a Renaissance man. I've got to say that's not like yeah. the thing I know him for, but oh, well, um, <laughs> I mean, he was good at several things, honestly. Yeah. I was going to uh, say genocide yeah. and sailing. I yeah. guess that's yeah. like, genocide, that's practically a Renaissance yeah. man. sailing <laughs> rape. Like he's got a lot. He's oh, got yeah, a long you know, list. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Howard Zinn has a whole chapter about him. That's, that's, <laughs> that's an impressive, that's an impressive resume right there. But yeah, so now I think it's time to, uh, enter the work as it mm-hmm. were. It's time to take a look at what we've got here. Um, how did you feel about these first four chapters of book one from the great and terrible? Uh, this is the brothers is what this one's called. Yeah. Excellent. I'm using an online copy that I, paid for legally i would like to nice, know yeah. I'm, I'm sure um, i bought i actually bought a copy and i uh i made sure and bought it from jeff bezos oh yeah so yeah. that uh <laughs> none of the cuties at the local bookstore would see me right buying this <laughs> plus Look, also like i'm gonna be honest i don't think they have a copy of this at pals that's very yeah. uh, i don't even <laughs> think they carry this like, <laughs> at the deseret <laughs> books right now yeah. like i the is- city of books doesn't have a copy of this yeah. <laughs> 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 Which yeah. I can't say I blame it. Yeah, I know. Uh, I like literally like live in a town known for bookstores and that's, that's, we don't. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So, I mean, like my initial thing, I literally like the first, first thing I've written in my notes is first 20 pages. All I know is that Michael is swole. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, I, I, I had no idea what was going on. So yeah, I'll uh, we'll, we'll go through. So I took some mm-hmm. pretty detailed notes. So just chime in whenever you feel yeah. like you've got something to say. So first, I would like to note uh, so the uh, there's an author's note explaining the mm. point in time at which this book is based. Which is where this is where we're going to dump the heaviest Mormon lore on y'all real quick. Uh, it's a it's a big part of the. Of Mormon the part religion. that lost me immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's it. He. This is a book written by more by a Mormon for an audience of Mormons with pretty much no one else in mind. Um, so I grew up Mormon, uh, and this I was reading this like, yeah, everybody knows this, and immediately after I sent it to you, you were messaging me like, yeah, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, I am. I am uh, an Italian Jew raised by <laughs> a woman that thinks that. Like, basically, like, I've said this as a joke, but that God is a woman who also has a real big cock. <laughs> uh, and that's like, that sounds like a joke, but that's pretty much what my mom uh, thinks. So that's good on that. her I went, for to, it. I went to Catholic school. So Mormonism is, I assumed it was just Christianity until fairly recently. And now yeah. I realized it's way more interesting. Than oh, yeah. That. We're like Christians, but weird. Yeah, um, it's, it's good. But yeah, so... It's a big part of Mormon lore. It's also something that I think is discussed by other religions uh, that in heaven, uh, you know, when we were all vibing, you know, we were little ghosts. Mm -hmm. We didn't have bodies. We were just hanging out in the spirit world waiting to be born. Uh, Before that happened, you know, 
God presents his, his great plan to the people, you know, like we're going to go, we'll have free will. We can sin, we can do whatever we want. And from that, we will grow and become better people. And then eventually return home to him. And he'll send down Jesus, you know, uh, to take on the sins of the world, et cetera, et cetera. The thing that ostensibly occurred. Uh, but, you know, our our boy, Lucifer, rolls up. He's like, hey, guys, I have a better plan. What if instead there's no free will? I control everything. Everybody makes it to heaven. Um, and uh, and instead, every the glory is all it's all going to me. Everybody loves me. And I think that's what we should do. And then there's a, according to Mormons, there's a war in heaven. It's not ever exactly mm-hmm. stated what that is because we didn't have bodies, so no one could die. It's more of a war of words, if you so, will. Wait, so Satan wanted all of us to go to heaven. That was like... Yeah, so it's, it's very interesting, <laughs> right? Because on I mean, face, that's like, like, it's like, I'll do the bad sin and the rest of you get to go to heaven because I'm like, that's kind of reasonable. Yeah, that's, that's the, the big problem with that is yeah. most people's complaints with God, you know, the people who are experiencing mm-hmm. religious doubt is kind of kind of fucked up of him to like let us go to hell. Wait, yeah. you mean there was a different plan where that wouldn't happen? Yeah. Uh, but but you know, I mean, or like honestly, for my part as a Jew, when I found out about Christians believing in hell, I'm like, wait, so you mean we made a deal with him way back when, and then he <laughs> added a whole yeah. like room onto the house that he didn't yeah. tell us about that we had to go to. Like, yeah, I mean, well, why are I, we going there? <laughs> it makes you feel any better. I mean, that's how I feel. I got, I got pretty into the Quran last year. That's how I felt oh, learning yeah, about Islam. Naturally. I said, like, wait, hang on. Hold up, dude. I thought this was the be all end all. You're telling me there was more? I could have, anyway. Yeah. Um, I could go to a garden. Like, yeah, that sounds oh, pretty chill. Rock on, brother. This sounds fountains, sick. dude. I love a nice, cool garden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It's my so, deep understanding of Islam. Yeah, so right. the, the, basically the two plans boiled down to God's plan, which is like there's free will, but mm-hmm. it allows for growth. And Satan's plan, which is that everybody makes it to heaven, but there's no free will and there's no room for growth. Uh, and everyone, you know, we're all start and end on the same footing. And just yeah. based on that description, uh, can you imagine how most members of the church feel about communism? With yeah, their incredibly say, nuanced like, views. Yeah. <laughs> like you just described... Um... I mean, you just basically described like Marxist Leninism, like vanguardist communism yeah. to a certain degree. Or in the very least, like the straw man of it, where there's like yeah. no freedom, no anything, but everybody yeah. is equal. Like and so that's how everybody describes it, right? If you say like in any church building, you're like, Well, yeah, you know, I, I ascribe to leftist politics because I think, you know, we should all be equal. Everybody should like get a, an equal shot. Most people will be like, Well, you know whose plan you're talking like buddy oh man um and i i would also like to know, you know i'm not one of those i i think that i generally resist the urge that a lot of leftists have to like semi-ironically do like performative satanism i'm not a big yeah. fan of like aligning myself with the literal embodiment of evil uh even if i don't believe in him i'm like mm, i don't want i don't like this guy you know yeah satanism has never really particularly appealed to me because all the things that satanists are like Pro, I'm like, yeah, but all, my rabbi said all that, yeah. honestly. And he was, uh, he had better teeth than you. He didn't yeah, brush. Yeah, so. and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, like Anton LaVey yeah. was like a sociopathic libertarian. Oh, and it's but, so much worse when you actually hear his voice also. Oh, God. He, you're just like, oh, how does he sound? You're like, exactly what he looked like. Only yeah. like, 
No Vincent like, priciness. Yeah, exactly. Like this guy didn't even sound cool. Like what? Mm-hmm. The, how did this happen? Um, it's the same as like yeah. Michael Aquino when you listen to him talk. It's the same thing where he's like, "Well, you know, the conspiracy theorists can say what they can about me, but it's like, <laughs> go ahead, buddy, rock yeah. on." Mm-hmm. Uh, but so anyway, so Chris Stewart generously starts us off with an author's note, basically, in which he explains that we don't know much about the way that like Mormons aren't taught much about the way that the world before life functioned. We don't know much about it. So he basically goes like, hey, I'm taking some artistic license here. Don't get mad at me. This is probably not what everything was like. But if it was just like a book about ghosts floating around, that would be an incredibly boring read, which yeah, point taken. That's a, It's a good point by him. It would be an incredibly boring read. Yeah, I definitely I definitely agree. I mean, like having literally no set and setting would be fucking boring. <laughs> yeah, that feels like yeah. like an incredibly pretentious postmodern thing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, ah, it's all it's only yeah. the ideas. <laughs> like, yeah, like plays like black box, black box plays yeah. where like there's just a, you know, just literally like a sheet draped across yeah. some stuff and people are <laughs> acting. And I'm like, that's not waiting for that's Godot not- in parentheses <laughs> to be born on Earth. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we launch into the only part in the book that we have read so far that does not take place mm-hmm. in heaven, which is the prologue, which takes place uh, in Washington, D.C. What a prologue. What a prologue. I will say, so since a lot of this book I and mean, a lot of this series is in like the D.C. area, I do always like, I'm a sucker for people reading descriptions of Northern Virginia. That's where I grew up. It holds a soft spot in my heart. Uh but yeah, so it it opens, we see a stoic soldier uh, at Arlington National Cemetery witnessing a funeral for a fallen soldier. Uh, and, you know, he, he like repeats like parts of like, I don't know, some soldier's creed to himself. Uh, he thinks a lot about the, the noble sacrifice this man had made in mm-hmm. a war, which I am sure meant a lot in the long run of things. Uh, yeah. Oh no! Absolutely. I mean, yeah. They say they 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 apparently saved a boy, and he's there. So yeah, which you know, hey, <laughs> it's it's part of that. It's so this is the beginning. The reason that I mention this is it's the beginning of the uh, you know as uh, Zizek mm-hmm. problematic fave would call it uh, ideology of this book, <laughs> uh, which is to say, he, my man loves a good war. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm gonna read. I have a selection here from the from the the funeral description here. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a uh, page 28 of my electronic copy. I don't know what it correlates to with yours, but he says, quote, the soldier had performed a hundred ceremonies over the past 11 months. Indeed, this was the third funeral ceremony he had presided over today. But as he watched the black wagon and the proud horse, as he saw the tiny child holding her mother's hand and the medal of honor over the blue and white flag, he just couldn't hold back the emotion that boiled inside. A single salty teardrop rolled down his cheek to settle on his jaw before slowly sliding down his neck. Too many funerals, too many good men, too many young children and too many wives. And then he concludes it with white roses for virtue, red roses for blood. Uh, and this is, that's the energy of this book. Yeah. Um, I felt like that was the first like thing actually that I noticed that was like, this seems like a cute thing. Like, but also I'm just, you know, like anytime someone's like, 
yeah, blood and soil. I'm like, yeah. this is perking something up for me. I'm yeah. a little worried. Yeah, what is it that turns the wheels of history, sir? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it but, sounds like this, and this represents blood. I'm like, this can't be going anywhere good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we this the prologue really is just sort of like to mm-hmm. remind us all that soldiers are brave and noble, and that their sacrifices yep. mean a lot. Yeah, um, and that they're not the only ones sacrificing, though. It's also the uh, it's the proud the, wives the, at home. Yeah, yeah, the proud, the proud white families. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be that. I mean, like you know, he's writing for from his own perspective for Mormons. So yeah, as it's going to be white blonde people. Like but I don't also, think he says strawberry blonde, but I assumed yeah. they all were. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough, <laughs> except for the you know the small dark haired boy with oh yeah yeah so the olive gaunt darting I, eyes yeah I described. immediately yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, that was I immediately identified with him I was like oh, but yeah so that that's the little boy that was shifty, rescued in this yeah. shifty olive skin <laughs> that would be so funny if he <laughs> if he described his eyes as shifty yeah I don't trust him the surly seventy year old seven year old <laughs> with shifty eyes. <laughs> um Uh. but yeah so from here he Mm -hmm. um he carries on and yeah it basically you know we it ends with like the little child she like uh gives a small prayer um Mm -hmm. it's very i look it's hard to like even a fictional child i don't want to like dunk on this kid too hard it's like yeah all right whatever you know you're writing for a fictional child you don't have to write you know shakespeare Mm-hmm. And then we kick into gear, which is to say we move on to chapter one in the pre-mortal world in the opening days of the war. Yeah. So the Archangel Michael is uh, sitting in his office. Dude, it took, I'm sorry, I didn't no, no, realize no, no, he was uh, the Archangel Michael uh, for oh, yeah, yeah. 50 pages. Yeah, so this I was is like, like, Lucifer, that's who this is. Yeah, yeah. So this is <laughs> the Michael. Uh, it's a, so another part of Mormon the first lore, Michael. I, yeah, the first Michael. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is something other religions teach, but it is taught in Mormon uh, traditions mm-hmm. that uh, Michael was rewarded for his valiant service in the war in heaven uh, by coming down to earth as Adam. It's an interesting little note. I don't know if anyone else teaches that, but... No, I don't think we teach that... I mean, I also don't think we believe in the war in heaven and Judaism. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, much more chill. Um, I was like, yeah, I don't remember. It was mostly just God and us. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. But yeah. So Michael, the commander, as he's described, mm-hmm. he's sort of standing out there, uh, pondering the betrayal that came from an un- as yet unnamed figure. Uh, you know, so he's sitting there. He's sort of he's it's very much a similar energy to the soldier we were just looking at. You know, he's a a strong chinned mm-hmm. brave man who's not letting his emotions show, but inside he's filled with turmoil over the events that have occurred. Uh, and his, his Lieutenant Jacob arrives um, and then proceeds to tell him, you know, that basically this, this unnamed guy has, he's cast down the gauntlet. Uh, yeah. He's, he's accused Michael and uh, God, the father himself of being the true, like, you know, the evil ones. Uh, and Michael sort of, he sits there and he very stoically regrets that he wasn't able to save this person who he was close friends with prior to the war. Um, and yeah, it, you know, it continues, it, and this chapter is probably, in my opinion, the most boring of the chapters in this, yeah. in this book so far. Cause we, 
we really don't know much yet. Even as someone who understood what the stakes were supposed to be, I was drifting out a little bit. Uh, and then we, we start to meet, you know, the characters who we will be following throughout this series. Uh, okay. In this one, yeah, through this book, they're, they're just, you know, they're like us. They're little ghosts. They're floating around. Uh, yeah. But we follow them as they, as they come to Earth and they live out their lives. Uh, some of them are born in the same family. Some of them in separate families. Uh, which genuinely, I think, is a pretty interesting conceit. Um, it's just a bummer that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a very cool uh, thing to do. I mean, like, there's. I think the Years of Rice and Salt is a, a book yeah. by. Um, it? Kim Stanley. I can't remember the name of that. The, the Kim Stanley Robinson, something like that. Um, feels right. Yeah, the guy who the the dude who wrote um, the Mars trilogy. So just. Yeah. And, you know, famous anarcho-communist writer yeah. <laughs> who loves gender. I will. Um, <laughs> yeah, wrote wrote a book where basically it's the same people uh, reborn throughout history in like an alternative history where uh, the Black Plague killed all the white people. And then the, <laughs> and that's like the, it's a good book. I mean, yeah, that sounds pretty that's, I mean, so yeah, basically what I'm saying is, yeah, there's just like a very talented uh, creative writer. <laughs> Yeah. who I deeply agree with and love, used a very similar conceit. And that's, that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I, I'm going to try to be very fair to these books when we read them, right? Like when yeah. there's something I enjoy, I want to point it out. I don't want this to be like just a... Oh, yeah, no, I don't want to shit in these books. So far, I'm enjoying yeah. it. Um, yeah. But I do still want to unpack, you know, the underlying... Mm-hmm. The, the, the sort of the things that are bubbling just under the surface in these books, because... Even in four chapters, oh boy, is there quite a bit of that to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I think that's an interesting conceit, even if I don't love the execution. Um, so yeah, we, we meet Elizabeth and Luke, a brother and sister who are mm-hmm. in the nursery. They're like watching little kids. Uh, and their brother, Ammon, who's, he's big. They, they established yeah, this. Ammon is a, he's a large man. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they meet Ammon, he rolls up. I think he introduces himself by saying Big Bear has arrived. Yeah, I like that. I uh, I didn't grow up with younger siblings, so the thought of like adult me coming in and playing with children. Was <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, there's something sinister here immediately. Yeah, see, my problem, I have younger siblings, but... Yeah. My appearance is less Big Bear has arrived and more like, oh no, the Scarecrow is at our yeah, door. Yeah, Skeleton is here. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've always, I've always envisioned myself as like mm-hmm. the, the terminally single evil uncle who just like shows up and causes <laughs> chaos. And like, I'm the, the mm-hmm. I, you know, not, I'm the, I'm the cautionary tale uncle in every 80s family sitcom. Yeah. Like I show up. Yeah, one of my uncles is like that. Yeah, I show up, I'm drunk. Mm-hmm. And so- Basically, my point is, it's very funny to me that I'm the first person to get in a long-term, stable relationship out of my family. Um, I mean, in sin, though. Yeah, in sin. True. I would like yeah. to know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I like the idea. I'm making Izzy wait in the car so I can show up at my family's house and be evil. And then they go, all right, now you can come in. I'm going to be normal now. Uh, but so uh, I had the second quote that I'd like to read is them ruminating on Ammon. <clears throat> uh, Ammon would be in the thick of it all. He wouldn't stand by. Luke knew that for certain. Some men, even from the time they were young, had a predisposition for the romance and brotherhood that surrounded a conflict. Some men were just more able to see things in black and white, more willing to step forward and defend those who wouldn't defend themselves. Um, so that's that's the 
pretty much the first thing we learn about Ammon is this boy, yep. he loves to fight. He would love to be a good soldier, um, which surely will not come up again in these books. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I like that that resonated. I was like, I get this guy. as a combative person who wants to find something to stand for i get it yeah see as a as a as a a shifty-eyed dark-haired child myself (laughs) i that did not that did not resonate with me i was like well i you know i like to i live in the shades of gray let me obfuscate things further (laughs) yeah yeah that's why i'm a tanky yeah yeah it's like nope Everything left of here is good. Yeah, admittedly, yeah, I did. Yeah, it's, I do see th- some things in black and white. You know, I, I like to, we know that I, I flirt with tankydom, mm-hmm. um, especially mm. when I get particularly annoyed with people online. Yeah. I just, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just like write, you literally show me two A's next to each other. And I'm like, oh, bathism. Yeah, yeah. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I just, the name Aaron, I'm just immediately like, yeah, yeah, maybe Saddam did some okay things until the whole <laughs> genocide against Armenians and Yazidis, or yeah, which you know, <laughs> yeah, you not get, cool. I'm gonna go ahead and say them that all, guys. Um, this is not a tanky podcast. Potentially, yeah. you can't see the video, so just know mm-hmm. we're not winking at each other when we <laughs> yeah, say exactly. I don't like Saddam. Uh, but <laughs> 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 yeah, but at risk of getting too sidetracked, I would Sorry. like to know. No, no, I just want to know. One of the uh, first times I got like a strike on Instagram for spreading misinformation mm-hmm. was I posted a fake quote about Trump saying he would run for president under the Bothist party. Um, and, and that would have, I mean, that sucks. Yeah, Instagram was I would like, have probably <laughs> supported him. It's like that, one of my all-time favorite Trump clips uh, is that one of him at the rally where he's like quoting Ilan Omar. Oh, he just yeah. it. He's like, may Allah open the eyes of the people and help them oh, to God. see the evil doings of Israel in the United States while the crowd just like cheers wildly <laughs> for it. Uh, how awesome would Bothis Trump be, guys? <laughs> uh, dude, I mean, like, that's one of those ones where I'm just like, oh, my, so my standard of acceptable leadership has been lowered so far. I'm like, yeah, pretty good. Because I'm like, I'm like, wow, damn, he didn't actually execute someone. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're making progress. Like he'd, have to, he'd have to dress like a lot fucking better. Yeah, I was going to um, say, if you wanted to go toe-to-toe yeah. with like Saddam exactly. or Gaddafi. I mean, like, you know, this this is a resistance podcast, so I'm going to talk shit yeah. about how he dresses. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I mean, if we're talking like Gaddafi or Saddam, they both dressed really well. They both yeah. had really, like, good haircuts. I share a birthday with you know? Gaddafi, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> returning now to uh, sorry, the yeah. subject of the great and the terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, the great and another terrible. good book, the little the green book, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, read some a, quotes. Yeah, it's bad a good read book. special. We'll read the green book. <laughs> 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 but uh, so the there is one sibling in this family who is not present in this initial uh, in this initial meeting of these siblings, mm-hmm. and that is Samuel. He, and it sort of implied he's uh, he's sort of the troubled child of the family. You know, he's been a little more turbulent in his throughout his years, and they're not entirely sure where he is, but they're a little worried he might have gone over to this, you know, this this other person's side. They don't know where mm-hmm. he's gone. Um, so I would just like to read a selection. So this first sentence, uh, there's after that, there's like a little three asterisk pause, and we just switch scenes. So it goes, Ammon thought for a long moment, then shook his head no. It's probably nothing, he answered. I'm sure Sam will be fine. Little asterisk pause. Samuel, the oldest brother, stood on the edge of the field. So we, you know, we get like an immediate smash cut to Sam. We're going to see what he's up to. Um, and 
we get just a couple paragraphs of him really loving his field. He he just they Chris Stewart takes a lot a lot of time a, a lot of time to tell us how much Sam loves standing in this wheat field, uh, and then he leaves, and that's that. Then we have a smash cut to Ammon and Elizabeth discussing Samuel's departure. Uh, you know they're they're a little hurt, they're a little upset. And they have to tell Luke, the the youngest of the brothers, um, and they're they're really upset about that. This actually might have been the most boring chapter of the book. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, it was uh, it was a little rough. It's a, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, it, it basically it was yeah, it was I, it was when I was like, all right, cool. So this is apparently what the pre mortal world is. There's children everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. I um I like that we. I do appreciate that, you know, that he yeah. he establishes that there's children, even though we're all ghosts. Some of us are a little older, some of us are a little younger. I thought that, that was, was confusing kind of to me. So do they have parents or is there are their parents the father? Yeah, I was gonna say I think their parents they're are all brothers. The right? father and uh Morbids do believe in like mm-hmm. a uh you know, like uh a heavenly mother is what people often call her. Okay. Yeah. She doesn't so show that's... up much. Um yeah. but I think she might make an appearance later in this book. Uh but yeah, so those are the parents in these. Sorry, also, sorry, are, is the father Jehovah in this? Because I uh, thought it would be, but I saw. Yeah, no, Jehovah know. is the the son. So oh, Mormons okay. are also interesting in that we do not believe in a trinity. I don't know yeah. why I said we. Uh, they do not believe in a trinity. <laughs> the, the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost are three separate entities. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, which makes... I, it might just be the fact that I was born into this, uh, but that makes much more sense to me than the concept of the Trinity uh, in general. Yeah, um, I, yeah, the Trinity would confuse me more if I wasn't, you know, basically dealing with animism personally and pretending yeah. I'm still Jewish. <laughs> like, ooh, look at that storm. But I mean, you know, I'm also rather than a storm, I'm like, ah, that train hurtling down the tracks. What a force of nature. The train yeah. is probably God. Yeah. <laughs> Come and take me, Father. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, no. Yeah, it, so, yeah I, that's interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. Although as I've mm-hmm. grown a little older, I've sort of come around to like a vague like a vague idea of like other Christianity, where I like I sort of like the idea of like God being a contradiction. You know, like the idea of yeah. like you can't exist as three separate people in one in one being. I, I like that. But regardless, that's not the the instance in this world. Uh, is the father mm-hmm. is the father. And uh, Jehovah was his firstborn. Um, and so that's... Yeah, I like God being actual people. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so that, that chapter ends. And now we're, now we're getting into the good stuff. We get... Um, it, it opens with Ammon in a hike. He's, he's out and about. He's marching through the mountains just to clear his head. Uh, and he sort of stands there stoically for a while. And then Saruman appears. I mean... Uh, uh, Balaam, sorry, not not sorry. <laughs> These are two different characters. Definitely not the same character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Ammon is there, and he's approached by uh, Master Balaam. Who, mm-hmm. This is a side note. Uh, are you familiar with Balaam as a as a name? Because uh, I sure wasn't. Uh, yeah, I, I, so people didn't Mormons didn't go hard into the like ooh, third Judas or whatever. Yeah, so we we did not go hard into Balaam, but so he is mm-hmm. apparently. I looked this up. Wikipedia informed me this earlier tonight. Uh, he's like mentioned in the New Testament 
as, or maybe it's the Old Testament. He's a guy who's known as a prophet who was not Jewish. Like he's an, a non-Israelite prophet. Uh, okay. Who later on like ends up seducing some of the Israelites away with um, like idolatry and basically just horniness. If I'm, if I was reading it right. Nice. Um, okay. So I don't know if they're supposed to be the same person, <laughs> but the name is supposed to imply, you know, like this guy, he was yeah. a prophet. Now he's he's fallen by the wayside. Well, that's funny. Knowing that, I had already uh, in my mind shaped Balaam into being like my history of consciousness teacher, <laughs> who had ended up being. I think I sent you guys this, but like ended up being a a sex pest. And oh, by yeah, that I mean like yeah. a very bad person. Yeah. And so I'd already been like, oh, that's that guy, uh, <laughs> famously canceled communist man, uh. assaulted people. And I'm like, yeah, this, that's who this guy is. Like, believable, likable, but then you get to like, you realize you're like, oh no, he's he's evil. In my notes, since I made the Saruman joke, I mm-hmm. I've just been imagining him as a Christopher Lee, um, nice. which I imagine is a more pleasant mental image than a a sex pest teacher. Yeah, than like a sex pest <laughs> teacher who like tried to give me cocaine and touch me. Yeah. No, uh, half of which we support on this podcast. Yeah, well, the first uh, part, he successfully gave me cocaine. <laughs> you know, so that was, he did the first part correct. Yeah, so Balaam is, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's Ammon's old teacher. He's uh, a, quote, the chancellor at the main university uh, is the yeah. wording in the book. And I understand you yep. got to make your world building a little vague, but come on, dude, like give me something to work with there. Yeah. It was, it, there was a, the, this was very vague. Yeah. This whole, uh, the whole build up to this. Yeah. So Balaam, you know, yeah. it's, we established, he's like, he's very intelligent. He's a great teacher. Everybody loves yeah. Balaam. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And he, he basically, you know, he rolls up, he's on, he's like, he walks up to him. He's like, yo, I couldn't help but notice you are also on this mountain right now. Let's have a, let's have a little heart to heart. Let's sit down on this rock. Yeah. Um, and uh, here, let me see. Uh, there's a quote later on where uh, Balaam's like thinking like, ah, he's so young and naive. We need to wait for him to be crushed by life and filled with disappointment and regret before we try. Yeah. Uh, which, I don't know, I thought that was just a weird note for Balaam to be making to himself. But he has his instructions. So he, he makes yeah. his pitch. Uh, and he basically just goes like, would you like to join the dark side? effectively um did anything really stand out to you from this exchange because i do have one one note like another quote i will read at some point um, from him trying to like bail him trying to seduce Amon to well, the, I have uh, one dark thing side. right before that uh, which is you know it's supposed to show the parallel before between like mm-hmm. this like this truly masculine man you know Amon, a good a fighter who's willing to do what he can yeah yeah because uh, you know it, it it establishes earlier on that Ammon he's you know he's taking this old trail up the mountain you know it weaves and it disappears at points but it's much more rewarding uh, and Ammon asks he goes did you hike up the ancient trail and it says Balaam snorted of course not he huffed only a fool would climb the old trail he gestured towards the backside of the mountain and its gentle slope there are more reasonable ways much easier ways to get up here um, which. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean that's that is literally just the metaphor. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of a sucker for <laughs> metaphors that don't yeah. bother hiding at all. Like I appreciate that a little bit. Yeah, like practically similes. Yeah, like yeah. my my family <laughs> my family and I we watched uh, Aladdin a couple days ago again, 
And I do say, mm-hmm. I miss when Disney didn't bother with twist villains. You know, sometimes the villain in the movie is just the guy who wears black and red and carries a serpent staff. Uh, and yeah, no yeah, twist, yeah. You know? Well, yeah, you can also go for like Disney being like, hey, sometimes the villain in the movie is the clearly gay person. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> that. Yeah, my, one of my younger siblings described me as, and I quote, every queer coded 90s Disney villain all in one, uh, which is. That's perfect. Yeah, I mean, that works. You're like, you are basically a scar. Yeah. Mixed with a, God, what's his name? I don't remember. Aladdin dude. Yeah, Jafar. Jafar. Uh, I literally, somebody asked me today who my favorite Disney villain was. And I had been (laughs) thinking about Jafar and I was like, oh, Jafar. And they're like, you're a Disney guy. I'm like, no, absolutely not. But (laughs) (laughs) but Jafar is cool. He dresses well. A guy who dresses well, carries a serpent staff and just loves being evil. Yeah. Yeah. I love that shit. Exactly. Um yeah. But yeah, so anyway, Balaam sort of, they go on, there's a little bit of back and forth where Balaam's like, hey, we haven't talked in a while. Uh, the world is getting mm. a little weird, huh? And this is yep. this is the point that you were talking about, the sort of cue quote. Do you want to read this or should I? I've got it, um, got it highlighted. I do as well. Just read the whole paragraph, basically. Yeah, we'll, we'll read that, and then I'll just read, like, a section or two from the second paragraph where he, like, literally says, a storm is coming. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, am I see. looking at the first part? Uh, it, should, it should start with, the pressure is building. While you find oh, yeah, okay, yeah, cool, yeah, that's okay. what I thought. The pressure is building, like an overfilled balloon. It is waiting to burst. Everyone feels the strain. There's no way it can hold. There are, only, there are too many misunderstandings and too much jealousy, too many hurt feelings and too much hate to keep in. And when the war breaks, it won't be subtle. It will be sudden and brutal with enormous casualties. Women and children, the young and the old, all will be victims in the coming war. It will be a war of attrition, not a battle for ground. It will be a war whose only purpose is to inflict casualties. It will be winner take all and the spoils not divided until the battle is through. No one is safe. All will feel this war's pain. Yeah, which is, uh, that's, like, very brutal. Yeah. And also, like, uh, you know, I was, like, saying Kiwi earlier, but that's, like, a very um, Alex Jonesy. Yeah. Uh, right when he stopped being cool <laughs> yeah. uh, thing, when he was like, we're going to fucking, you're not going to like it when we come and kill you. And yeah. It's like, okay. like, it's. it's it, I liked you until that point. It's one of those things where it's, like, I know that the villain is writing this. Like, this is mm-hmm. an explicitly evil character who we're not supposed to like. But it is also, I mean. It like this reads out of like a chapter of like siege or something like you know? yeah very much yeah um or like it's almost like a Nick Land accelerationist type thing where it's like the pressure is building uh, but yeah. anyway at the end yeah, he, um, but yeah so then he he goes on diaries ish yeah so he goes <laughs> on and he says the battle draws near like a storm cloud in the evening sky the conflict looms large dark mean and boiling with thunder and light and uh, and though the coming storm is out there for everyone to see. So yeah, a storm is coming. A coming storm. It's, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. Uh, and then, you know, he continues on and it just ends with, Ammon, this storm will not veer away. It is approaching and quickly a dark night draws near. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, and so then from there, Ammon has like a vision of an entire city just like wiped out, you know, completely empty. There's no people. There's a single dead bird in the middle of the street. Yeah. Uh, which unpacks a lot i mean that just raises a lot of questions about chris stewart's personal views on animals and their souls and whether their souls can die in the pre-mortal life but 
I, I get the uh, There's a lot of birds part. in this world also. That was a thing. I only the only animals he mentions are birds. Yeah. Because they don't have dogs because they're planning on having dogs. But yeah, like, they're like wondering what pets they'll have when they're born. It's like the cutesy conversation yeah. that uh, Elizabeth has with one of the kids. Yeah, so um, like birds have souls, I guess, is the thing that I'm finding out right now. Yeah, so birds have souls. Nice. Uh, I think it also might just be that like Chris Stewart was an Air Force pilot, so he just feels a kinship with the uh the creatures of the air with birds yeah, that <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. yeah this thing okay everyone in the air force you know they're all bird people in my my conceit of mm-hmm. the world but yeah so uh then from the end of that so he continues with that you know they talk about this coming the coming storm and this chapter ends with uh balaam studied his student with a critical eye ammon he asked do you know who win who will win ammon didn't hesitate there is no doubt in my mind then are you ready to join us ammon turned away from his friend so, you know, that's the, in case we hadn't figured it out by that point, you know, Balaam, like I said, he's been mm-hmm. Saruman at this point. He's become, yeah. he's given up his soul to the Dark Lord. Uh, and now chapter four happens, which is, this is the best chapter in the book, I think, so far. I had the most fun reading this one. Uh, and this is the point where we. Yeah, it's when the big guy is finally introduced. Yeah, it's when the big bad boy himself shows mm-hmm. up. Because, uh, you know, Ammon rejects Balaam's attempts to seduce him to the dark side yet again, kind mm-hmm. of regrets that there's, there's no one he can trust in this world. Uh, and Balaam in the meantime, for his part returns to his home, uh, and discovers that someone has, has entered his home while he was waiting there. Um, and yeah, how did you take this reveal, Nick? Uh, how did, how did it feel? Uh, it, it, <laughs> it actually, it surprised me. Uh, I was not expecting because up until this point, I was just like, well, Chris is being really fucking vague about everything. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, Eamon found himself on a mountain. And I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? But then at this point, when it finally struck home that, like, the pre mortal world was heaven. Yeah. And that the bad guy was therefore going to be Lucifer. Yeah. And, and like, like oh. that's when I was like, oh shit, that's who they're talking about. That makes sense. And then it clicked that everyone up until that point had angel yeah. names or like names that are reminiscent of that are literally like names that are linguistically based in relating them to like the sun or God. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's when we get the, the, the first thing that the man does is smile a fiendish grin. Yeah. Uh, is the description yeah, he's given. Yeah. So, you know, this is, like I said, this is, I love this shit where it's like, there's nothing subtle it is about good, it. Yeah. It's just like, he's evil and loving it. I wanted to just read this whole chapter out, but I decided not to. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people can find it very easily. It's only it's only three pages long. Yeah. And it's very um, good. But yeah, so here's, I have one quote that I really like. This is his description of, you know, Lucifer himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, if there was one word to describe him, that word would have been cold. Cold oh, yeah. skin, cold hands, cold smile, and cold heart. He was a bitter winter morning. Ice chips ran through his veins. Like an exquisite ice sculpture, there was beauty there, but there was nothing in his presence that invited an embrace. To hold him, to touch him, was to bring a cold chill, for there was no warmth left inside him, no kindness at all. Like a dead, dried-out insect, he had a hard, brittle shell, but inside he was empty, except for his hate. Like, yeah, I I had a yeah. lot of fun with this chapter, where it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's just Balaam being like, yo, my boss is a little scary. Well, yeah, we're the winners, yeah. I guess. I'm sure. Surely, this could not end badly for me. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I described Balaam in a message to you as a simp for Satan. Yeah, and it's pretty much what he's doing. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would like to know. Uh, so obviously we, we cut to Lucifer's POV in the, throughout the, mm. these following books too, as well. Like mm. Satan shows up All right. uh, and he, he tears up the scenery every time. He's always like this. Um, and Balaam's always also there, you know, like a sniveling little coward in the side. Um, so they're, they're, you know, they're a fun little parallel to follow along with, uh, you know, Ammon and Luke and the rest of our yeah. boys. Um, and then I'm going to lead with, leave us with one more quote from this book. Uh, because honestly, I just, I had so much fun with this last chapter. I want, I wanted to keep reading it. So this is a description of Lucifer again, uh, at this point in his life in the pre-mortal world, uh, because again, it's yeah. a given for Mormons that uh, Lucifer and his his legion is cast out of heaven, right? Of course, obviously they lose. But yeah. Lucifer was still a great prince, a spirit of incredible power, a leader among those who were still seeking their way. But the truth was that he had already fallen, though few fully knew his heart and what he ultimately intended to do. The great leader was rising, his star shining bright, for he had developed a scheme, a much easier way. Oh, hey, look at that. It's from the <laughs> chapter before. Many oh, wow. believed him, and he was spreading the word. And that's where we have ended our reading. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's the first four chapters of the brothers. Uh, what did you uh, what did you think of it? And uh, as you suggested to me, uh, let me ask you: What do you think will happen next? Well, I mean, I I honestly I very much enjoyed uh, the first part. I was it took me like thirty pages to enjoy reading this book. <laughs> which yeah. uh which sucks but i mean it's like i was basically coming at it from other mormons i had read it it was literally orson scott card so i was like uh, this shit's gonna start off strong and it's gonna have to do with aliens and time travel and then like at the beginning i was basically thinking also i'm like this is a small book maybe it's ya so yeah. which it <laughs> is but it's i was just like cool so this is going to be a hunger games in heaven is like just what i assumed it was going to be yeah i was gonna say yeah say what you know <laughs> about a, this book it's yeah not predictable yeah no exactly i'm like well this i'm like oh so far there's children and birds uh they, yeah there's no hunger gamesy things at all or battle royale stuff more appropriately but uh yeah it took me a minute to get into it but then like when chapter four came around oh, yeah. and he started having actual dialogue between people <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I like. I was like, oh, I'm I'm actually enjoying this. This is this is looking to be a good piece of techno fiction because at some point you're like, like, oh, this is gonna be a lot of people, like powerful people versus powerful people, and they're gonna have to talk to each other. Yeah, and it's well written enough for me to enjoy it. I got very excited when that yeah. happened, and also because at that point I realized that the devil was one of was yeah, the, bad the guy. devil is the like yeah, it's <laughs> it's the the antagonist. I was say, Chris Stewart, yeah. He sees this world in black and white. Uh, yeah, and exactly. That yeah. is exemplified by the fact that the devil himself is a character in the book <laughs> and the primary antagonist. Like, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> you know, we're not getting a complex villain here. None of that pussy shit from Chris Stewart. Yeah, no, no. no, no. We're um, not talking whatever Beauty and the Beast. No beast. This is that. so. Where do you where do you expect the story to go? You know what will what troubles will? Uh, oh man, I mean, I have Luke and Sam get up to. I have like one thing that I'm seeing, which is I think I can't remember if they say it in this or not, but Amen or Amon, they're like, which means child of the sun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something along the lines of that. And then they're like, and then they talk about Lucifer being the rising star. I'm like, hmm, perhaps either Amen is a dichotomous, like a dichotomy of that, or maybe 
he'll end up just falling towards the morning star himself. And he'll be kind of like a little in-between point where you're like, well, is he evil? Is he going to be good? Yeah. Although that also that kind of like that, that at the same time as well, counteracts the idea of Chris Stewart being like, it's black and white. There is no gray area. So I'm sort of wondering if anyone will be morally, morally conflicted. Yeah. I was going to say, see, you're not, wrong that there mm-hmm. will be a morally conflicted character you're just yeah. off on who your guess was okay um but yeah and i will say the the morally conflicted character in this book is sort of the uh the wild child throughout the rest of the series he actually okay to his credit he does do a, a pretty good job of like setting up the character arcs prior to their like their births so you know like he gives mm-hmm. them like distinct little souls and then that bleeds through uh, in the rest of the books. I like um, that, yeah. So yeah, I will say, this book was, honestly, better than I remembered it being uh, in these four chapters. It takes a sec to get going, but... Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's a fun read. It's just, you know, especially when we enter the real world, it's politics become a lot more overt and a lot more evil. So <laughs> I think we'll have a little more to <laughs> complain about when we hit book two. So this yeah. episode, I think, is going to be... I, okay, so I'm just going to yeah. guess, like nationally uh everyone that is good is american and everyone that is evil is from argentina is that, <laughs> that gonna be it we're not quite argentina take <laughs> oh your, sorry your sights, bolivia uh, set your sights in a different hemisphere um all right so they're all russian or are they all chinese actually no so this is this book was written i think like 2008 is when it was so the villains are still Middle Eastern at this point. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we haven't. It's huh, post-Cold War, but pre-New Cold War. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, I don't even know if China like makes an appearance in these books. Yeah, I mean, that was basically when we viewed China in 2008 as like the place that we uh, get cheap textiles from. If I remember. Yeah, that was like, you know, like the, the silly, goofy manufacturing people was sort of our. Yeah, exactly. Um, as opposed to, you know, like the, the dragon and the bear that we now view, uh, you know, that actually, I was going to say 2007 is when 2006 or seven is when bear and the dragon came out. You know, and, uh, he was, and I remember that book being like, I know, I remember that book and being like being astounded because I was like, yeah. wow, China's a superpower. And then like, <laughs> I thought about it for a second. I was like, yeah, it's half the fucking world's population. Yeah, well, I <laughs> like they remember. could be armed with knives and be a superpower. <laughs> the first time that uh, I watched Back to the Future, I was probably yeah. like 10. And in the second one, there's like a scene where like, it's revealed that Marty's boss in the future is Chinese. Mm-hmm. And my dad went, yeah, that was back in the 80s when people thought that China was going to be a superpower. And he said it with like a sort of <laughs> chuckle as they're like, ha, ah, how oh little we knew back then. Um, that's that's yeah. great. <laughs> um, mm. But yeah, so anyway, that is, this has been, you know, episode 1.A of Bad Reads. Usually mm-hmm. uh, what we're planning to do is read a full book or at least, you know, like more than four chapters of a book. Yeah, a reasonable amount of a book because yeah. one of the ones that I have you can read about. 10 chapters before you want to blow your head off. Yeah. So yeah, we, we want to make a dent in these books. Usually mm-hmm. this one, like I said, this is sort of us feeling out the waters, figuring out what works and what doesn't. Um, so yeah, we're going to upload this one. I'm going to try to get Jillian to upload this on uh, the Doug zones feed as well yeah. as the, our own. And then uh, I'm going to say, let's shoot for the 1st of March for the, our, us to finish the brothers. We should be uploading yeah. these the first of every month. 
So stay tuned there. I'm going to be making a Twitter. My guess is it will be a at bad reads podcast or something like Mm -hmm. that. We discovered that there is a UK version, so we might change it slightly. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, comrades, is there anywhere, or uh, Nick, I guess, because I'm referring to you by yeah. your, your real name. Uh, oh, is, yeah. there a, is there anywhere that people can find you? Any uh, other projects you might have going? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you can find me on the Doug Zone podcast, or the Doug Zone, sorry, Discord. Uh, and his podcast. Comrades po- and actually podcast, yeah. Under uh, Comrades Poetry Zone, which I have not <laughs> written in recently, but I occasionally write poetry and like, uh, I'll yeah. oftentimes it's stupid. Sometimes it's surprisingly good. I always enjoy thing. it. I, yeah, it's, I feel like it's that thing like in like the other guys where, uh, you know, Mark Wahlberg learns how to do ballet in order yeah. to like dunk on people yeah, exactly. or to make fun of someone. <laughs> That's kind of what I did with poetry at one point. I hated my friends that were poets, so I learned how to do it in order to <laughs> make, fun uh, of them make them look stupid. Yeah, by writing about dumb shit. Uh, so yeah, you can find me there. Also, me and Marty are going to be very soon starting uh, all ages show. Very good, long anticipated. Um, yeah. We're working. We're figuring out the first album that we're going to do for it. Uh, I'm thinking something that got either one of us into punk. So for me, that would probably be uh, Op Ivy or uh, and Out Come yeah. the Wolves by Rancid. Because um, I'm Wolf a South Bay yeah. boy. Yeah, and so that's where else you can find me. I might start a Twitter. Sick, yeah. Who knows? You, can, you can find me. Obviously, you can listen to the Doug Zone, my my stupid podcast, uh, in which <laughs> I, we watch a different Doug yeah. Walker video every week and refuse to discuss it. Uh, you can find <laughs> me also on Twitter at uh, Matt K Ultra, one word. Um, I don't do much on there now, aside from retweet pictures of Gibbons, mm. but I think you should follow me there anyway. Uh, and on my alt at Cosmo Kratom, which is where I really, I really have fun. Uh, yeah. I think that's going to be a wrap. Oh, sorry. That- One oh, last no, thing. Yeah. Uh, you can Venmo me at <laughs> N-I-C-K-K-C-I-N and I'll give you my phone number. We can be friends. Yeah. So, like I said, do that. Potentially no one <laughs> sent me any money yet. It's really disappointing. <laughs> it happens to, hey, your Doug's on up yeah. drops uh, in exactly oh. one hour from when we're recording. Well, there you go. Oh. Perfect. All right. <laughs> might be getting some business. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a wrap on this episode. So uh, this has been Matt and Nick with Bathory's. Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, thanks for listening.